Welcome to the Lovability Podcast. My name is Jennifer Stiers, and I'm here to talk love, relationships, sex, marriage, and everything in between. Hello and good afternoon, everybody. Happy Friday. Uh, welcome to the Lovability Show. Uh, I am here today with my guest, Laura Carranza. Did I say that right? You did. Absolutely. 100%. <laughs> uh, yeah, perfect. And uh, we are, uh, we're talking about narcissism today. So I'm super excited about this conversation. You know, Laura, I've had a couple other guests on to talk about narcissism in the past. And every time we talk about it, it's a different conversation right. uh, because there's, there's so much to discuss and it's such a big topic. Uh, so Laura is a speaker and an author. Uh, she has her own podcast now, yes. just a brand new podcast you're ju- you've just launched. What is the name of your podcast? It's called Real Life with Laura. I can't wait to wa- so, I can't yes. wait to watch it. The first then, episode aired Tuesday. First okay, yep. first episode was Tuesday and I I'm going to be on there soon. So, uh you guys will see me on there uh, in a few weeks, I think. That's, yes. Uh okay, so you also do a podcast or you've done a, a show, a YouTube show with Dr. Les Carter, right? Uh who specializes in narcissism. Yes. So you've been talking about this a long time. A long time time. Yeah. I lived it for, um, was raised by a narcissist and then married one because we usually marry one of our parents. You know, uh, this is where we're going to start because there, it's such yeah. a big conversation and there's so many ways to go about it. So let's start with that, with, with, you know, there are people that say that there might be a genetic component. I've heard this, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. that there might be a genetic component. The other part of it is that, you know, being raised by a narcissist, I've, I can't tell you how many clients I've had that come in that have been attracting narcissists into their life and have issues getting into relationships. So they're having lots of uh, self-esteem and confidence issues, uh, and it's because of being raised by a narcissist. So let's kind of throw that, let's talk about that component a little bit because it's also different. Uh, for a woman and a man. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. And it, whether they're, the narcissist in their family was a mother or, the, or a father. Uh, so do, I bet we didn't go through this, so you may not have it, but do you, do you have the traits of uh, a daughter raised by a narcissistic mother? I can, I can tell you about my experience okay. and some of my clients. Because right? it was your so mom. It was my mom. It was your mom. Yeah. Okay. So they expect perfection. Mm-hmm. Um, you are there to shine the light on that person. Right. Yes. Um, so a lot of the beauty pageant, enough. the beauty pageant yes. kids, um, yes. they're in the, the, a lot of the mothers that are narcissists will put their children through beauty pageants and things like that because they want to live vicariously through their beautiful children, right. their beautiful daughters. Sorry, right. Yeah. And you, and you can see it in other ways like competitive cheerleading. Yes. Um, uh, sports, maybe a, a great softball player or volleyball player. Mm-hmm. Uh, academically, it's whatever the parent is trying to live through their ch- child. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, it is amazing to me how uh, daughters of narcissists, you know, you, you, are a, you are one, but that struggle to be enough and that struggle mm-hmm. to be worthy or pretty enough or, you know, it... it uh, the narcissistic mom is brutal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Brutal, brutal. You grow up. There, there are three things that most of my clients share with me and probably yours do as well. I'm not enough. Yeah. I'm not worthy. And I'm not lovable. Right. Because those are the messages that you receive. 
So ladies, you know, I guess I just want to say to you, if you're hearing this for the first time and this is something that may resonate with you and this is something that you struggle with, there are obviously other reasons that you could have these, these show up. It doesn't have to be a narcissistic mom, but it doesn't hurt to look it up and to read into it a little bit. That's what I have my clients do. I'll just say, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to throw a label on somebody. Mm -hmm. I don't want you know them to have to worry about uh, worry about that part of it. But I I say just read about it. See mm -hmm. if anything resonates with you. It's amazing how many women come back and mm -hmm. go, Oh my God, that was my mom. Have you read the book? It's uh, by Karen McBride. It's um will I? It's something like Will I ever be good enough? But it's Karen M C Bride. Karen McBride. Fantastic book, all about narcissistic mothers and their daughters. Awesome. Hey, I just want to uh, say hello to everybody. Thank you for tuning in today. Uh, Christy uh, and uh, Sarah and Martha and Suzanne, Elizabeth, Jeff, welcome to the Lovability Show. We're glad you're here. Uh, I want to encourage questions also. Uh, I recognize some of the names here as well. Uh, hey, Jerry Ann. Uh, <laughs> um, and uh, I know some of you can relate to some of this conversation, so feel free to chime in and uh, tell us your thoughts and ask any questions that you would like to as well uh, as we're going along. And, um, you know, the interesting part too, I had a, I was with somebody that had a narcissistic mother, a man that had a narcissistic mm -hmm. mom, and he was put up on a pedestal. And that's typically, uh, you know, either criticized or put up on a pedestal. But, um, but he was completely a great athlete, put up on a pedestal, and it damaged. That's what made him the way he is. And even though I wouldn't categorize him as, as narcissistic personality disorder, he had narcissistic traits because of that. So upbringing, and I'm a big fan of learning the learning behaviorist theory, uh, that upbringing can, can put a lot of that into you as well. You know, if you're put up on a pedestal your whole life and you're, you know, you've been the star athlete and, or the star cheerleader, whatever it is, uh, all that attention tends to feed into narcissism at later in life because, and it's, yeah, hard Dr. To Carter and I, um, on the first show, we talked about, are you a narcissist? Am I a narcissist? Because we often ask that question, well, I've been around narcissists for so many years. And narcissism, it can be contagious. I mean, you can pick up some of those traits. That's frightening. Yeah, <laughs> That's but really you can. You, you learn if you watch someone gaslight. Mm -hmm. Many times, then you might find yourself doing it to someone else. And you're, whoa. That's interesting. Well, you know, the other part of it, too, is, number one, if you have to ask yourself if you're a narcissist, you're probably not. Exactly. Or you think you are. <laughs> exactly. Uh, because most narcissists cannot acknowledge that they are uh, or look at anything else that could be a negative trait right. in themselves. Try uh, to drag a narcissist into therapy, right? right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, but... But uh, so let's kind of go through uh, what the traits are of a narcissist, because I think you start again, where does it start? Family, mm. right? right? Home, uh, whether it's there's a genetic component or whether it is a learned behavior, it starts at home. A lot of uh, you people out there that are attracting narcissistic partners, it may be because one of your, par your parents were a narcissist. So it's something to look into. Uh, so let's talk about the characteristics of a narcissist from DSM. Right, right. from DSM. DSM. Yeah. And if you guys don't know what the DSM is, it's, I'm sure Jen has gone over it many times. It's the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Health Disorders. 
So there are nine traits of narcissism. And if the psychologist and psychiatrist who put this list together say, and Jen, you can correct me if I'm wrong, five of the nine means someone has NPD. We'll just use NPD mm -hmm. for short. So it's a spectrum, much like autism or Parkinson's. It's a long line. So as you go get closer and closer to that five of nine, you're more narcissistic. And um, the narcissist in my life for a significant amount of time, wow, the partner, the ex, um, had eight of the nine. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, not easy. But um, you come out stronger on the other end. But let's go over those. Okay. A grandiose sense of self-importance. That's one. Another one is a preoccupation with fantasies of unlimited success, power, brilliance, beauty, and ideal love. The next one, a belief that he or she is special and unique and can only be understood or associate with other special or high-status people. Yeah. We've all met the, those people that go to social gatherings, and, and they will only go to certain ones because I'm not going to socialize and with that And will only socialize with certain people yes, or exactly. only need mm -hmm. to be seen in certain mm -hmm. crowds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, a need for excessive admiration, a sense of entitlement, exploitive behavior, a lack of empathy. This is like, that's probably the biggest indicator that someone might be a narcissist. So um, a lack of empathy. It's high control and low empathy. Envy of others or a belief that others are envious of him or her. And a demonstration of arrogant and haughty behaviors or attitudes. So those are the nine. And yeah. you can just Google it if you need the list. And they all show up in so many, uh, so many different ways. I think, uh, number one, you, the people that seem to be self, I mean, so here, a lot of times people think just because people take a lot of selfies that somebody's a narcissist and it's not necessarily true. However, there is an element to that that is, you know, truth. They have an exaggerated sense of self. They love seeing themselves. So they mm -hmm. figure that everybody else loves seeing them as well. Right. Um, but I, I think that there's the, you know, you look at somebody's Instagram or Facebook and if their whole feed is their face, like look at the sun, the sun is shining today and it's their face and not the sun. <laughs> you probably, they're pro you know, that's somebody that was just looking for a reason to post a picture of themselves because they love themselves so much. Right. I mean, and that is the obvious, like that is an obvious sign of, right? Right. So, I mean, that, that, that uh, oopsies that exaggerated sense of um self-importance um and you know the other part of that where they have this image of great love let's talk about that a little bit because i think from a partnership standpoint and a relationship standpoint this is where we we see the love bombing right right, right. and and all the other things like if you look at what what narcissists do in a relationship they love bomb there's an exaggerated um, emphasis put on the love and the relationship and the connection part of it, they make you feel super special. Like you have this great connection. I don't have this with anybody else. They make you believe also we have this unique thing that nobody, that I've never had with anybody else. So you feel uniquely special in their life. They know how to do that. Mm -hmm. They right? put you on a pedestal. They do. But it's only for a short period of time. That's that's the problem. And it's um, I, I often get asked, well, where's who's the real person? And I'm like, the real person's actually when the mask falls off because the, 
for a narcissist, especially a covert narcissist, it is exhausting to have that mask on yeah. the entire time. And uh, something new that I'm, I've learned, and I noticed it in a relationship with a narcissist a few years ago. Have you heard of the term future faking? It finally has an... an um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They oh, yeah. build a future with you verbally yeah. and tell you what your future is going to look like with them, and then they discard you or it's over. And, and you're left hurting. It is so painful. You're like, what just happened? We we were going to retire together. Right. We were going to do this together. Yeah. They build the dream. Mm -hmm. It's it's all about being needing to be, especially for a man, you know, the Prince Charming. So these guys yes. that build you up and talk about your life together and all the things that you're going to do and you're going to get married. And this is the things that we're going to do together in our life together. That's that's a form of love, Bonnie, but that is that is manipulation is what it is. Right. You know, so the whole looking into the future and it's it's a it's a it's it's a way of manipulating and having the more that their that their victim, hate to say it, can buy into the mm -hmm. story or the illusion that the more that they're hooked. And that's why it's so hard to get out of these relationships because they've built in such a pretty picture. And made it seem so special and unique and beautiful that it's real. And I know I was just talking to somebody yesterday that has that finally got out of a relationship with a narcissist and completely sees through everything. But it's still it's still hard. It's still a matter of being having to sit back and look at this stuff like we're talking about it right now, and recognize when you are being future. What is it called? Future faking. Future faking when <laughs> terms. I love the <laughs> yeah. terms. Um, when you're future faking things or you're being gaslighted or whatever it is, you're able when you understand what it is, you're able to 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 understand the behavior and look back and and make sense of it and uh, and protect yourself. Exactly. Yeah, from exactly. it happening again. Um, so hi Barbara and Jamie says, okay, are they seeking attention or validation due to low self-esteem? I mean, you're talking about probably the selfie thing, Jamie. Uh, well, attention seeking and validation are well, attention seeking is part of narcissism. Uh, seeking validation is for insecure people, but the thing that is true of a narcissist is they are insecure. They're very insecure. So, but all of those low self-esteem, all of those also are narcissistic traits. Could it be that they're not a narcissist and they just have low self-esteem? Sure, sure. But again, extreme examples would be somebody over, you know, overly obsessed with themselves. Mm -hmm. That's not, there's, there's, that's not an insecurity. That's a mental disorder. I mean, it, it just, it just, right? Right. I mean, well, you know, narcissism is a mental health disorder. It it's considered a cluster B personality disorder. It's not just the guy or girl who walks into the room and owns the joint. No, 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 no. It's much more damaging and destructive than that. Yeah. And I think that's one of the, uh, hey, Jenny. Um, I think that's one of the hardest things about narcissistic relationships. And I know we're jumping around a little bit and we will, but uh, it, it's that whole, what we were just talking about with getting wrapped up in this love bombing at first and then the future faking and the, you know, the gaslighting, which wears away at your self-esteem over time. Uh, and the way that a narcissist isolates you ultimately, that's another big thing that happens amongst uh, narcissist is they can do whatever they want, but they control you. 
So what do you want to talk about that a little bit? Because you've had, I mean, so Laura's had two narcissistic uh, relationships long-term. One was her long-term marriage and uh, one was a relationship and, and they were actually two different types of narcissists. So I want her to uh, kind of reference that as well because there are different, I mean, according to psychology, there's two different, the grandiose and whatever. Right. And then, then there's... A narcissistic personality disorder, which is completely different. Mm -hmm. What is it? It's grandiose, and then um, which is also called overt. Uh, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then there's the um, there's the what is it called? Compassionate or it's something um, like the vulnerable narcissist. Covert. No, vulnerable. No. The yeah. Anyway, so there's there's two types, and then there's a, a narcissistic personality disorder. So there's many types of narcissism, but you had two different types. Right. You had. You, you had two. So why don't we discuss that a little bit and your experiences and how they were different? Because I think I think people want to lump every but narcissism into one big category, and it's not. It's not. There are different types. And based on the type, the recovery for each one is different. And what it does to you and how long it takes you to get over, uh, it, it they all, all these factors matter. Mm -hmm. So this entire book was written about the... Um, person who raised me that's a narcissist and then the it's the, called ugly uh, love ugly love yeah okay. and we're um, i'm also on youtube with dr les carter we have um, surviving narcissism so check us out there we have a great partnership great source great guys. Source. love to have this i mean the, we're talking mm -hmm. about it and we're touching on a lot of little things but if you want more uh i would definitely say go there because that's what they've been talking about for ever. How many years have you been on Three. That? Three We years. have almost awesome. half a million subscribers now. It's crazy. Amazing. Good. Good, good, good. Crazy. Okay. So the malignant and then the most recent experience, because I didn't know enough about the covert or it sometimes is, is called the vulnerable narcissist. Mm -hmm. um, so the, the malignant overt narcissist is the guy, girl who walks into the room, you know, Jennifer, they own the joint. They're loud. They um, or they need the attention. They get that attention some way, somehow. Um, they're more sinister in my mind. They're, um, it's easier to pick them out. Mm -hmm. they're, um, maybe their gaslighting isn't as hidden. It's not, they're not as passive-aggressive as the covert narcissist. Mm -hmm. The covert narcissist is that person that you meet and you go, oh, that's a safe person. I think I'll be vulnerable with him or her. And that is one lesson I've learned is not to get vulnerable until you absolutely 100% trust someone. So that you go, oh, that's a safe person. Like, for example, me, I'm like, oh, he's a safe guy. So, oh, wow. You know, what ways does the covert narcissist make you feel safe? Give you that, um, that initial. Great question. Yeah. They listen and they go, oh, I see. I understand. Oh, yes. And they are very good at mirroring. They listen long enough to mirror what you want. So, for example, um, I wanted a good Christian man who goes to church, who's a good dad, but also loves to have a great time. What That was I don't mirrored want, right don't, back to me. I don't want to interrupt you, but I am going to say this is really important what she's talking about right now because that initial listening for what is important to you, mm -hmm. that is used for manipulation throughout the relationship for years to come. Mm -hmm. So they are amazing listeners and they they take your vulnerabilities, they take your pains, your hurts, your, you know, your wounds, and they make a note of it. They have a note of it because they they know exactly when to pull it up to use it against you. 
Right. They are taking really good notes. They are amazing listeners here. So I just wanted to, uh, I just wanted to stop you because that was a a really Mm -hmm. important point is that they are listening really, really well. They are. And they may try to emulate um, what you're saying and as they understand, and I've been through that too, so you open up even more. They have all these tac- these tactics to do that. Where, and you're so correct, Jennifer, where it hurts you is later on, and it'll come out in passive-aggressive behavior. And two of the things that hurt me the most, and they may hurt others the most, is the silent treatment, yeah. which is a message to the victim or survivor that you're not even worth speaking to, that you're not important enough for me to share what's going on in my life with you, to uh, keep you informed of my plans. Yeah. Um, that is so painful. And then the little passive aggressive remarks, maybe you're having a great time with someone and I'll give you an example. So I was having a great time with the guy and, and he goes, Hey, let me take a picture. That's a great right there, right there. Stay there. Let me take a picture. Smile. Mm-hmm. We were outside. And then he goes, you can use this for your profile picture soon. What? What? Wait a minute. Are you telling me we're breaking up? But you're so stunned because last night was the I love you. So it's just, it's so unsettling. And then you start working harder to save the relationship. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, And, and the, um, the covert narcissist too, again, they're, they're, they're more secretive about what they're doing. Let's talk about the other, the grandiose. Let's talk about mm-hmm. the other one. Is that that's yeah, right? sure? I was talking about the covert at the end okay. there, so we can go back to the um, overt or many times malignant. There can be a malignant covert, yeah. And there's so many terms we can throw around, but let's talk about the grandiose malignant narcissist. They're more open, like you know, one more outburst, Laura, and this relationship's over. They're more, um, will just tell you how they feel and like it is, and you can start crying and they'll, they'll push and push and make you cry more and then go, see, I can't even have a conversation with you. Mm-hmm. They like to stir the pot and then make you be in the wrong. Right. You know, uh, the, the thing about the, how, how does, how do, how does the person, the victim of a narcissist, become addicted to the partner? Because that's a that's a key piece in all of this. So there's the things that they do and the symptoms of and the behaviors that they have. But how does how does that victim become addicted to? Because it is an addiction. It is. It yeah. is, and it's what the endorphins in your brain and the oxytocin that you feel when things are great. Because in the cycle of abuse, there's the love bombing, then there's the devaluation phase, which is what we've been talking about. You know, you can use this for a profile picture. What? You're you're, the silent treatment. You're subtly being um, belittled and you're getting smaller and smaller in your mind. And the narcissist is getting stronger and stronger and more in control. And then there's usually a rage, especially with the malignant narcissist. They finally just blow up. Then you're back to the love bombing, but at that point it's called hearts and flowers and it doesn't last very long, Mm -hmm. but they promise things will change. That cycle is why we get stuck. And it's that right there, that hearts and flowers Mm -hmm. where we go, oh, he means it this time. He is going to change. Did it 13 years with the guy, 16 years. Yeah. Yeah. I kept wanting to go back to the beginning of the relationship. Well, they're really good at being able to talk you back to oh, that, how to do oh that. Oh my that gosh, aren't they? You know, I think there's that element of too where 
when you've been in a abusive relationship, which is what this is, a mentally, emotionally abusive relationship, you become addicted to pleasing, mm. making that person happy. And I think that's part of the addiction too, when you're trying to get out of it, is that whole idea of they're so critical and, and, and of, of you in the relationship. And then that plea that, that you, you look for those areas, especially if you grew up in a critical home where you were a pleaser, that you end up with a narcissist and addicted to pleasing and that, that love and attention and affection that a narcissist can give you when they're happy with you mm -hmm. or when they're showering you with love or love bombing you. That's, that's what most people hold out for when they're with a narcissist is, and everybody can probably relate to this if you've been in a relationship with one, is you say, I kept waiting for them to be that person again. Mm -hmm. Jekyll who, and Hyde. Yeah, who they uh -huh. were when we first met was so different than who they became that you keep thinking they're going to go back. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the addiction too, is for you wanting to believe the best in them. And they're really good at finding partners that will do that too. Well, we believe often we're the partners who believe the best in everyone. And we think if we look at the world through a certain lens that this narcissist and everyone else will do the same. And it's, it's unfortunately, it's just not the case. Um, what I tell people to do and my clients to do is when you meet someone, you don't judge good or bad. Be neutral and let them prove themselves what they are because the truth will come out. Yeah. And and I think the other part of that is also listening and watching, you know, and not allowing yourself to be love bombed, mm -hmm. you know, it, it, understanding that that is a key, you know, a key trait of a narcissist, love bombing to be able to, to if you see it happening, somebody trying to uh, take you out to really nice dinners or really nice dates or really nice trips or gifts at the beginning. Um, lots yes, of early verbal on. Yeah, lots of verbal affirmation, making you feel like a princess, ladies. Those, that's love bombing. That's love bombing. And mm -hmm. so you've got to have boundaries and limitations on that and not allow necessarily that to take place, not a lot, not because that'll, that will, if they can't do their part, if they can't do their thing and manipulate, they're not going to keep pursuing. Exactly. So that's, I mean, and that goes for at any point during the relationship. If you're 10 years down the road, you know this, and you call them out there, I mean, there's a lot of different things that can happen yes. depending on what type of narcissist <laughs> exactly. it is. Exactly. You know, some narcissists will go off the rails, right. you know, crazy off the rails, and some will turn. Those are the ones that are passive aggressive and will turn and tell stories and, you know, and, and gaslight you're the one and tell their friends and their family how horrible you are. So there's so many manipulation games in all of this. Right. I mean, it is so about a manipulation. And it's just devastating for the other person. It just is. And, and I think on that note, I don't know how many times a week you get asked this question, but will he treat her better than he treated me? No. He, no. I know, no. right? No. Nope. Mm -mm. Not going to happen. Mm -mm. Yeah. Nope. Y you know, that is, um, I, I can say that from other women and ladies, uh, I know, and I see that there's some comments. I'd love to get to those. One of the things I know with you ladies, you can say with, a, with one of the, uh, with a relationship with a narcissist is that it's probably the best you've ever been treated. 
And that's a that's that's a hard that's a hard place to get out of when you start dating normal, healthy men. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, even though narcissists can be men or women, and I know plenty of female narcissists. Ooh, I do too, uh, Jennifer. Narcissistic personality disorder. The true um, the true disorder is is more men. Than women. That's not my fact. That's a fact. That's just a just a medical fact. Uh, so uh, it is more men than women. But women can be narcissists and are. I promise you. Uh, Krista says the only thing they go back to is their destructive behavior. Correct. Uh, you can count on that. Hundred <laughs> percent. Uh, Jerrianne says you're trying to make them happy. Why self doubting? You want to save the relationship, and we think we can do it. It ends up being self sabotage. Yeah, all of the all of the the good things they feed you along the way, and all of the love bombing, and all of the the. Uh, the positive reinforcement you get, which is not much <laughs> as it goes on, right. you get addicted to that. And, mm-hmm. and, and then when you please them and make them happy, there's an addiction to that mm-hmm. because of the reward process with a narcissist when you make them happy right? And or you, you feed their ego. And have you ever found that the standards keep changing? You make them happy that, you know, I don't know, maybe they want dinner three times a week. I don't know. And then you do that, but that's not quite good enough. If the dinner wasn't what they wanted, why didn't you ask them? You know, it's it's never quite good enough. So you try right. harder and harder. It's exhausting. Absolutely. No, that's um, God. That is so true. They're so critical. So critical. So critical. Uh, Barbara uh, was in a relationship for a long time too with one. She said, after being with one for so long, how do you trust your instincts when to start dating again so you don't fall in the same trap? Uh, and that's a really, really great question. And here comes the question. So we're going to, we're going to uh, get to you guys. Uh, you know, I think the, the thing, Barbara is number one, you have, there's a healing that needs to take place before you get back out there. Because if you don't trust yourself and know yourself and love yourself, you will end up back in this dynamic because at the end of the day, there is also a, your component of what you bring to the table in a narcissistic relationship. So a lot of, and here's where we need to talk about that. A lot of uh, women and men that get into narcissistic relationships, both of you, it's because there's a codependency factor. Exactly. So let, cause that's a big, big thing. So let's talk about the codependency factor. I'm going to let you hit that. It's the people pleasing. It is that everything that happens is your fault mm-hmm. and the narcissist supports that. And you find yourself in this cycle of working so hard to please the narcissist. And here's how I know when I've met a narcissist out here in this crazy dating world, my body talks to me and I've learned, I just got that feeling. Okay. So yeah. ugh, just thinking about it, my body speaks to me and I, and it spe- and I've heard that from a lot of men and women my stomach kind of turns and yes, there's that excitement and that major attraction. But after that, I know what happens. So I've learned just to be nice and keep it moving. Yeah. So that's anxiety. Mm -hmm. So there's an an inner anxiety because I know it takes me back to years and years and years of abuse and I'm not going to do that again. Right. You know, those uh, passive aggressive, little passive aggressive remarks. Yes. um, And, and noticing how people treat other people and 
that's a big, that's a bit a way to be able to tell too. I mean, you have to be able to trust your instincts and knowledge is power when it comes to something like this. I mean, I, 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 I'm a firm believer that we have to listen to our instincts, but we also have to listen to our brain. <laughs> right. Because there are times when, you know, because the narcissist, and we haven't used this word yet, but it's like the biggest word to describe a narcissist, they're charming. They are. They're mm -hmm. so charming. And th that, when you are being charmed and wooed and courted that way, it's such a great feeling. It's a hard thing to, to have to step back and look at objectively, like what's real, what's not real. Exactly. Right. Mm -hmm. And to be able to look at that person and are they, how are they treating other people in their world, in their life? The people, the, maybe the people that they think don't matter as much like the wait staff. And I was stuff just like that. going yeah. to say, you hit on something earlier. Um, look at how they treat servers in a restaurant. Um, Maybe if, if you are have gone away with them on a vacation, look at how they treat um, the hotel staff, the housekeepers. Um, do they speak to them with disdain and, and criticism or are they kind? Yeah, and I will say this too. I think, you know, with how do you know when you're ready to get back out there? Uh, when you stop, when it's one thing to use your instincts in your brain and it's another to be skeptical and not trust. So if you're skeptical and you don't trust, you're not emotionally ready to get back out there because you're always you're always looking at somebody from a skeptical point of view and you can't, nobody deserves that going on a first meeting. Yes, you want to be aware. Yes, you want to be educated. But no, you don't want to dump your emotional stuff on somebody else or give them traits of something that they may or may not have because there are traits of narcissism that aren't that don't belong to narcissists so you know we all normally I mean, all of us can display uh narcissistic traits without being a narcissist so you don't want to just spot one thing and go oh well there that is and i recognize that and so i got to get out of this so you've got to you've got to be well-rounded and healed uh barbara said as soon as i stopped making him totally happy uh he was working on another one and is now with her and totally unhappy um you know that is that is true and I say the one thing with a narcissist is once they've stopped love bombing you, once they won, once they have won the game. Right. And they know you are hooked you and are that hooked. you love them and you will do anything for them. They're already gone. They're, they're gone. Already in their the mind, next. they're onto the, or sometimes not even in their mind, Not right? They're their texting. Mind. They're, yeah. 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 They're on Facebook a lot more, messaging. Yeah. They've moved on. They're usually, I, I hate to say it, but they're usually already having affairs with other women because there's nothing that can, with a narcissist, there's nothing that can satisfy that empty hole inside of them mm -hmm. of their self-worth. So they have to constantly, they're constantly seeking validation. You know, I, you walk in and to a room and that life of the party, that person that's seeking all that attention, mm -hmm. chances are that person is a narcissist. I hate to say it, but it, it chances are they probably are. So ladies, if you've attracted narcissists or men, same thing, that's probably the person you need to stay away from. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, that's, pro that's a really easy way to spot one is they typically are the center of attention and love it. There's some people that are getting the center of attention and don't love it, but the ones that do, that enjoy it and, and, and are feeding into it, and you can see that they are, they're usually the narcissist. So, you have uh, the life of the party. Like, for example, maybe you go to a concert and 
the person you're there with, ladies, the guy you're there with is buying drinks for everyone at the table. You know, that I've seen that happen before. Oh, yeah, And they're strangers, but he's got to be the... But it's it's yeah. now we, they've gotten, they, they, they've hooked all these people and they're, they're such a great person and you're mm -hmm. such a great man or such a great woman because you did this. And it could be with women because that tends to be with men where they buy drinks or shots or whatever right. uh, for everybody. Uh, the woman tends to, is people-pleasing, mm -hmm. you know, kind of things. So, um, so thank you so much for this topic. Kathy says much, re uh, much related. Uh, does it take two narcissists together, uh, for them to be in a successful relationship? <laughs> oh God, no. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. That would be horrible. Wouldn't horrible. It? Can you think, oh my goodness. Two narcissists could not share the, pl the same platform. Mm -hmm. uh, I know of one marriage between two narcissists and it lasted two years. Oh wow. And then it blew up bigger than you would ever imagine. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. remember the one always needs to be the center of attention. And that's mm, the other yeah. thing too, that you want to look out for is that person that wants, that needs to be the center of attention, has that grandiose life and social life, but yet wants to, um, their partner isn't allowed to do the same. They can go out, they can do whatever they want, but the partner needs to stay in and the partner needs to not get attention in any way, shape or form, whether that be going out, whether that be on social media or anything, they can't stand if their partner gets more attention than they do. Exactly. And sometimes gets any attention at all that yes. they'll, and they'll blame you because maybe you were encouraging that attention or you just, you know, you, you, <laughs> you know, of course yes, you're you look so pretty tonight that every man was hitting on you and that's what you wanted, isn't it? Yeah. You wore that intentionally to yeah, get attention. Yeah. 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 No, God, it's crazy, right? <laughs> yeah. Bringing back some bad memories, aren't I? <laughs> that's all good. <laughs> um, I have done so much therapy and work. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but, but again, if any of these uh, things that we're saying are ringing true to you, mm -hmm. uh, you know, then the, this is this. These are typical things of a narcissist. That's called gaslighting. So let's let's hit that. I know we have a lot more comments, um, but uh, but let's talk about gaslighting a little because that's a big element. The thing that that this is how they break you down and whittle away your self esteem and your self confidence. So mm -hmm. it's a huge component. So let talk about let's, that a little yes, bit. Yes, let's talk about gaslighting. I would say that's the number one manipulation tactic used mm -hmm. by a narcissist because they can end up controlling you. And what they do, it is a way of altering your reality. Like mm -hmm. you might say something or do something or that, well, the narcissist will say something or do something. And then you question it. You say, you know, when you said that, it really hurt my feelings. And the narcissist will go, I didn't say that. It's like they read a book with these phrases. You, you, I even heard once, you must have misheard me. And toward the end of a relationship, I was once going, yeah, I got my hearing checked. It's all good, bud. Right. But they make you doubt your own reality. Right. Right. Everything's turned. So if, um, if you say, you know what, you yelled at me earlier and hurt and said these awful things to me and it hurt my feelings, mm -hmm. they'll say, you know what, well, you made me do that. You did so. It's, right. There's that blame shifting is what happens. It's they can never look at what they did, and if they do, they can. There are moments like breakthrough moment where you think you got them, where they're like, "I realize I did something wrong," but they don't really. They're just saying it to manipulate to get you back in that right in that pattern where they can get you back. But 
they don't take responsibility for anything. It's always your fault. So they will always turn it on you. It doesn't matter. You cheated on me. Well, you were withholding sex from me and being cold. So I had to, you know, yeah. I had to act out or I had to go get it somewhere. And I was hurt or what, you know, they can never take accountability no. for their own emotions. Mm -hmm. It always is blame shifting. It comes back to you. You all that have, I know, because there's so many people watching that can relate to this. This is such a big conversation. It is. What, we could uh, do two hours on gaslighting I alone. Know. They, I call it flipping the script. Just, right. They flip the script. They just go back and just change what you said and you start believing it. And it's called crazy making for a reason. You begin to feel like you're going crazy. Oh yeah. That's the other thing. Thank you for bringing that up. That's the other element of this, uh, of that, of the gaslighting and the blame shifting. Mm -hmm. They will make you feel crazy. They will say you're crazy. Mm -hmm. Uh, that is, that is definitely a, a tactic that a lot of narcissists use is saying you're crazy. And that's a big one. I mean, and then they'll add Everyone else also thinks you're crazy. <laughs> I spoke to your dad, and he thinks you have issues. I heard, I've heard that before. And your whole family, I mean, they think you're nuts. And again, that's isolating you. That's a yep. way of manipulating you mm -hmm. to, to, to whittle away your self-esteem. You mm -hmm. guys, again, know what I'm talking about. Uh, so when attachment style, quick test, help to avoid narcissistic individuals. Anxious style, seem to graduate to avoidant. Uh, Jamie, I'm going to say no on that with the attachment styles. Attachment is a different, I mean, I think you could probably uh, put a lot of narcissists into anxious attached, uh, but at the same time, those attachment styles hold, I think, over psychologically big picture, they don't hold as much weight as people think that they do. Mm -hmm. They're just part of it. I think it's good that you know your attachment style. I think that it's great that you know your partners, but do I think you can categorize this into narcissism? I don't. I just think there's, that's a different, uh, it's a whole different conversation. Um, and uh, Jerry Ann says, there's no such thing as a fair and level conversation. It turns to you being accused of nagging, uh, living in the past, uh, so the conversation can never be, can never be, can never happen. Can we talk about the victim, how the narcissist is always the victim? Yes. And that's what I mean about flipping the script. Maybe they said something that really hurt your feelings and you want to talk to them about it. And, and then they, they immediately turn it and they, and they're like, well, yesterday you said this and you didn't see me, but I went and cried about it. And my life is just so hard because you don't appreciate everything I do. And it's just it just catches momentum and there it goes. Then you end up apologizing for something you, you really didn't do or even know why you're apologizing. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, they um, can play the victim. They're the perpetrator, but they become the victim quickly when they've done something deep down they know is their fault. Well, again, it's, that's how they manipulate. Right. That's how they've learned to manipulate. You know, I, I, not that I would ever make excuses for narcissists, but it is embedded in their, and their upbringing as well. And that is some of the stuff is learned behaviors as well. And, uh, and it's, uh, it, there, there's wounds all over the place as adults in relationships, uh, you know, anybody oh, again, over the age of 40, which is what we're going to talk about. Uh, right. But there are, everybody brings baggage in. Every single person brings baggage in, and it is up to us initially when we meet somebody to assess that, mm -hmm. to really listen, sit back, watch, listen, and assess that because we're, we don't, we don't want to be victims of any of 
the stuff that's out there, right? Wounded people, people that aren't ready for a relationship, a narcissistic abuse, any of those things. And if you've attracted narcissists in the past, if you haven't done the work, you're going to attract them again in the future. So you need to be uber aware of all of this information and really be moving. To, number one, get in, get in, get some help. I'm not going to say get in therapy because I don't necessarily like the, the typical therapeutic mode, to be honest, mm -hmm. but educate yourself. There's a million books on, uh, on this. There are a million discussions going on this. Be very careful also where you go for this information because there's a lot of people talking about a lot of things, relationships, right. uh, narcissism and, and, and such. And, and especially not you, but especially people that have been wounded mm -hmm. in in relationships that think that because they've been wounded and they they feel like they're recovering that they can talk about it and be an expert. And you don't want that either. You don't want a wounded person trying to help you heal. You need somebody on the outside giving you objective information. So make sure you go to credible sources because there's a lot of information out mm -hmm. about this. I don't, I have not, I'm guilty. I've not seen your podcast uh, with Les Carter. I would love to. Uh, and uh, that may be a good source because he's, he, this is, he's a doctor of this, right, correct? Right, this is what he's right. been talking about for years. And I think it's important. And guys, uh, I see a lot of you jumping in here as well. Women are narcissists too. A hundred percent, they are narcissists. Yes. Who have met so, some real stinkers as my father would say. Yeah. And I think, I think in this day and age, we are breeding them also with mm -hmm. social media yes. and, uh, and kids are growing up, you know, with, with very sheltered and uh, and in a narcissistic world, a mm -hmm. me, me, me world. So I think we just have to be cautious, aware, and educated. Exactly, right? exactly. And back to what you were talking about healing, everyone heals in different ways at different speeds, and it's not a linear process, guys. It's, it's more like this, and you get better and better, but you'll have great days and you'll have really bad days. But that's okay, because at the end, every day you find a little more peace. But people are like, Laura, how, how have you done it? And I still have a coach. Uh, she's a life coach, but she helped me through my recovery. And she's the one who encouraged me to write the book, which was a bestseller because she's like, you got to get your story out there. So many people have been through this. And I'm, then I've had a therapist off and on since I was probably in college. You know, it's that's a good point, too. I think that uh, there is there's a comfort in hearing somebody else's story so that you understand you're not alone because that narcissist can make you feel so isolated and so bad and and has whittled away so much at your self-esteem. When you hear that other people have gone through and you're like, oh my God, he said that to me too, or she, she did that. Right. Then you see that this was a behavior. It wasn't you. And there's that's a, that's a huge healing point where you understand none of that was true. Like none of that was true. Mm -hmm. And that's a big, that's a big, because, because people want to make it about them. Like, what didn't I see? Or what was, you know, what was I missing? Or how did I attract that? How did I get used like that? How did I get abused like that? And they're just so caught off guard. It's what happens. And there's so many narcissists out there doing this. You're not alone. That sh and there is a comfort in that, mm -hmm. but we don't want to stay there. Just like with alcoholism, right? We don't want to, in any addiction, you don't want to stay there. Right. You don't want to stay a victim of this. You were a victim of it, but knowledge is power. 
and and you can move on and you can get in a healthy relationship, which Darren said, why can't men and women just find each other and hold hands and love each other? I'm with you. They can. They absolutely can if they Sometimes find the right the person. Sometimes the other person has so much baggage, they can't hold your hand. So it might be time to walk away. Which people is why you need to get rid of your baggage right. before you get into a relationship. Because if you have baggage, you can't see through your baggage to see somebody mm. else's baggage. So there's the whole idea of toxic people attract toxic people, right? Hurt people hurt yep, people. Exactly. Oh, my and there's there is that element. So you've got to focus on you. You that's the moving forward. You focus on you. Knowledge is power. You know, get get yourself healthy. Understand why you were attracted to and allowed it. Because mm -hmm. that's the important part is what was it in you that that became vulnerable to it. And listen, again, narcissists love really good, strong, amazing, beautiful people. So don't think that there's anything wrong with you because you were you fell victim to this. Strong, amazing people can also be victims of narcissism. I know um, the woman who started World Narcissistic Abuse Awareness Day, which is June 1st every year. Um, her first name is Bree. I can't recall her last name right now. She is an LCSW, so a licensed clinical social worker. Been, uh -huh. She's a counselor to many. Jen, she was with a narcissist for eight years yeah. and didn't see it. And she's competent and trained. So they, the, they can be really, really good. So you can't beat yourself up for it. You just live and learn. And if you've never been with on. one, yeah. If you've never been with one, you don't know. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what it is. If you've never been with one, you don't know, you can fall victim to it. I have, uh, you know, yes. and and I, I also think that, thank God, there's so much information out there now. Uh, mm -hmm. about it. Uh, let's talk about maybe some sources. So we know we, you have the show, uh, Les, uh, Les Carter. Um, but let's talk about some books. So your book is? Ugly Love. Ugly Love. Okay. Yes. Uh, great cover. Um, Thank you. I, I love a book. If you've got a narcissist in your life, I love the book Disarming the Narcissist. Uh, it's all ways in which you can, uh, how to deal with them. Uh, you know, the other thing I think for recovery is reading the book Codependent No More, Melanie Beatty. Yes, yes. One of my very favorite books. I'll lead a lot of people to that that are in, that have been in narcissistic relationships because a lot of, the, that's where your behaviors come in. So it's what they did and then there's who you are and what you did. Mm -hmm. And when you start getting into that book and those behaviors, that's when you're going to start realizing that's where I fed into this, right? There's, there's a yin and a yang. There's right. You know, and as someone who has attracted narcissists over and over and been codependent, still working on that, it's not a book that shames you. It is one that just says, why don't you let that go today? You don't have to please everyone. Let it go. And you learn, oh, okay. It's so freeing. Right. You get to be you. So I was worried about that, you know, codependent no more. Is she going to change everything about me? No. Mm -mm. That's interesting. I, uh, I not going to analyze what you just said, but I am, mm -hmm. you know, you just said, I'm afraid of getting healthy. 
is she mm-hmm. going to change me? Is, she gonna, is this going to change everything about me? Mm-hmm. And there's a fear associated with that, which means there's an attachment to something else. Mm-hmm. To being mm-hmm. some, of, mm-hmm. Maybe it's attachment to controlling who you are or a certain, you know what I'm saying? Right. That's it. That, but that is real. I've heard people say that before mm-hmm. with, you know, reading books or, or coming to counseling, because mm-hmm. I've done this for so long, that they're afraid of getting healthy. They're afraid of, of change, having to change themselves. You need to change yourself. You need to be aware of these things. But I love that you brought that up because I that, think that's, that's what a I valid felt fear. When I picked up that book, it scared it, me to death. Years of years of going through abuse, years of going of being in toxic love and relationships, even when it comes to family, mm-hmm. we learn coping mechanisms. And so when you have coping mechanisms and then somebody says, well, those don't work, but they've gotten you through your whole life. Mm-hmm. And somebody says, those aren't going to work anymore. What you're doing is mm-hmm. not functional. You just, yes, you're so correct. Yeah, and There then, it is uh, right there. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you have to change it. You have to change. And I find that in counseling being one of the hardest points is that somebody doesn't want to look at the fact that they're going to have to change or look mm-hmm. at the fact mm-hmm. that they've attracted someone that isn't healthy and I need to look at why that is or understand why that is. And you, you, we've got to grow. And just, just the, the tools that got us from where we were as a child, especially in a toxic childhood, to adulthood, when you become an adult, you, ha- you have more cognitive tools available to you to deal with things differently than you did as a child. Mm-hmm. So you've got to ch- you've got to utilize those if you want to change your life and change your experiences. You've got to change the way you're reacting to things and the way you're responding to things. And will it change you? Yes, but in a good functional way. You can't be afraid of it. Yeah. Right. No, exactly. I am so glad you said I'm that. I'm so glad though. I said that too. There's so I many was not people planned. guarantee that are sitting there and uh so many people that are sitting there watching and and relating to that mm-hmm. statement in mm-hmm. one way or the other, being afraid of having to change who they are, and uh, and and especially those that grew up in toxic childhoods, yes. because the tools you got to get through and survive, surviving is a different is a different life than thriving. So, surviving. When I think of surviving, I think of white knuckling it. Yeah, and. Um, that's what I did as a child, not even knowing. And then, but into my adulthood, absolutely. I'm like, I don't know what's going on here, but you find things that most of the time it's, they're not healthy, are they? You, right. you gravitate toward things to, to survive what you're going through. As yeah. a teenager, I got an eating disorder. I was like down to 89 pounds, sick, sick, sick. But it was the only thing I could control in my life because the narcissist was so controlling. Yeah. So the only thing I could control was what I ate. I couldn't control what I wore, how my hair was done. I couldn't control what I believed in. I was told what to believe, what to say, how to act. Um, was, yeah, yeah, and you know, again, I, I always, I always say this in these interesting conversations like this. I feel like there's a whole other conversation in this because, as you and I were talking initially about this, and I knew this was just going to be, uh, it was just going to flow, but that whole the. The mother and father narcissist mm-hmm. and kids growing up. There's so much. There's so much to that conversation. Oh, there's too. so much. Like my brother was affected differently. Yes, he um, had a hard time in the beginning. Um, he didn't understand how to nurture. 
Right. And he has four great kids and he's the best dad now ever. But, you know, when they were itty bitties, like, I don't know how to nurture because he yeah. hadn't received that. Yeah. And, you know, narcissistic mothers tend to tend to gravitate more toward their sons. And it's just different. It's just a different, mm -hmm. it's a different deal and how everyone's looked at in the family, different dynamics for everybody mm. and everybody's situation's different. And we get that. Uh, loved your, uh, loved your interaction. Uh, Jamie said, where can we find angry love? Where can um, they find your book? It is on Amazon. It's available at bookstores across the country. Or We're just the, yeah. blessed to have you here today. It's you been are so just, much fun. Oh my it's God. Been so much you're, fun. You're, you're wonderful. Just, uh, she has so much information. We could talk about this forever. Yeah. I know it's such a big subject. Uh, and, and I want to say, educate yourself. There are so many sources out there. You don't have to go get therapy, although it is good to talk to somebody, um, just as a sounding board and to get some tools. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the important part of why we get counseling for this as a victim of coming out of this to help you, uh, to help you establish a healthy sense of self after abusive relationships. Uh, but there's plenty of books out there as well. So, uh, so start, uh, start looking around, educating yourself in valid sources. Super important. We uh, have a website, uh, Jen, real quick, survivingnarcissism.tv. Okay. It even has a quiz on there that Dr. Carter developed. Is your partner a narcissist? Okay, perfect. So, you know, I, I, uh, I speaking of narcissism, <laughs> uh, I, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna end this. Uh, we got so into, um, we got so into the conversation. Uh, I wanted to mention my our sponsor that gave away the great um, oh, awesome. the, the uh, Juveau. We we gave away a bunch of Juveau. That's awesome uh, at the event. Um, they're doing a hundred dollars off of any filler uh, this uh, this month. So for the rest of this month, which is a great deal. You know what? And at the end of the day, we're not talking about narcissism when we want to be beautiful. You know, being being beautiful matters and. Uh, part of building our confidence is feeling good about ourselves. So if you need to do something, whatever that be, lose weight, you know, do something to your face, you know, makeup. I love my eyelashes. I'm I like love your eyelashes. To, I'm addicted to getting those done so I don't have to wear eye makeup. But whatever it is that makes you feel beautiful, um, do that because it, it, all of this stuff helps you know, in the, in the big picture. Uh, and uh, next week on the show, we're going to actually be giving away uh, a whole face full of uh, Juveau again. Uh, so, uh, so make sure you're tuned in you next week. You can completely week. change. I know. Why not? Um, okay. So uh, thank you all for watching. And uh, you can also find us on Apple, Google, Spotify, all of the uh, audio stations as well, if you want to listen to this again. So thanks for being here and participating. We'll see you next week. This is Jennifer. Thanks for listening today. And please subscribe to the podcast. Every single week, we'll have new information. And if you'd like to find out more information or if you have any questions, please go to my website at lovegen.com or you can find me on Facebook at my personal page, Jennifer Styers.